Hi, welcome to the Homicide Canada podcast. Uh, I'm Phil, and I'm here with my co-host and producer, Tammy. Uh, we're doing the episode where we cover the homicides that occurred in Canada in November of 2023, along with uh, some updates on some previous homicides. Uh, do you remember what episode this is, Tammy? I think I think it's 45. Okay, so 45. Uh, yeah, so besides the podcast, we maintain a website, homicidecanada.com. Uh, we have a, you can email us there at um, info at homicidecanada.com in case we missed a murder, because we keep track of all the murders in Canada that we can find on that website. Uh, on the website, too, there's separate pages for provinces and the bigger municipalities. So, yeah, if you're from Nova Scotia and you want to see the list of the homicides that occurred uh, this year or in previous years, you can go there and check it out. Uh, yeah, so let's start out with some stats uh, before we get into some individual homicides that occurred in November. Uh, so year to date, our count is 635. Uh, so I guess, uh, let's see, so 414 males, 152 females. Uh, that projects out to uh, 642 this year. Um, usually we uh, we find some more like next year and also we there's, uh, there's always a few we're missing. And I don't know, the stats cans, they always find some weird ones. We're trying to figure out exactly why uh, there's some extra ones in that. So, but these are the ones that we've managed to find uh, that's reported in the media or by Canadian police forces. Uh, let's see here. So the homicide rate based off of that would be 1.68 in Canada. And for women, it would be 0.8. And for men, it would be 2.19. Okay, uh, let's go through the uh, provinces, the murder rate per 100,000. Uh, as usual, uh, Manitoba's in first place with 5.65. Homicides uh, per 100,000 people. Um, then Saskatchewan in second with 4.37. Uh, then Alberta drops way down to 2.4 in third. Then BC is in, it drops down again to 1.74 in fourth. Then Newfoundland with 1.58. Ontario with 1.54. Nova Scotia with 1.36. Uh, New Brunswick with 0.91. Quebec with 0.81. And PEI with 0.66. So I guess PEI has had a murder now. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's talk about some of the uh, the homicide rates for some of the bigger municipalities in Canada. Um, as per usual, Winnipeg's ahead with five point six seven in first place. Uh, then Edmonton with four point two. Uh, Regina with four point zero two. So I guess it's catching up. Um, Toronto with two point five seven. Vancouver one point nine eight. Montreal one point eight nine. Hamilton one point seven eight. Calgary, 1.7. Ottawa, 1.39. Halifax, 1.15. Uh, Toronto suburbs, Mississauga, 1.13. And Brampton with 0 0.77. Uh, also, I lied. It's episode 44. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Getting ahead of ourselves, so. Okay, so in November, there was a total of 58 homicides compared to 56 in November 2022. So it's gone up a little bit. Uh, there were 39 male victims, 17 female victims, and one gender still unknown. Okay, let's go through the oldest and youngest victims of the month. Uh, so the oldest victim was 88-year-old Kevin Elms in Aurelia, Ontario. Uh, Ontario Provincial Police said they were called to Spencer House, Aurelia, on November 13th after receiving a report that two residents had been involved in an altercation. Um, on arrival, Kevin Elms, 88, was located suffering from serious injuries. Uh, he was rushed to Aurelius Soldiers Memorial Hospital where he died of complications from blunt force trauma to the head on November 24th. 
Uh, no charges have been laid. However, OPP's Aurelia detachment are now leading the ongoing homicide investigation. So I assume, Tammy, that Spencer House is either a retirement home or a nursing home? or Yeah, I think it's like a long-term care okay. place. And yeah. so probably another patient there or probably. resident. Yeah, and usually it seems like when it's two elderly people, yeah. no charges usually are laid, Okay, which yeah. is weird, but I guess. I guess you can't have mens rea if you don't know. Yeah. What's really going <laughs> on. So, yeah. okay. Sad, I guess, but mm -hmm. oh, great. Uh, and then the youngest was an eight-year-old girl who was found dead alongside her father in Oshawa. Um, so Durham Regional Police responded to a residential home on Windlord Place for a 911 call and located two deceased parties in the home of November 12th at approximately 8 a.m. Uh, the identity of the victims, a 38-year-old male and his eight-year-old daughter, have not been released at the family's request. Uh, investigators say the evidence points this to being a murder suicide with no outstanding suspects. So, yeah, another sad domestic. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So the provincial homicides that occurred in November, uh, Ontario, the most populous province, had 20. Uh, Manitoba is in second with 14, and it is not definitely not been the second most populous province. <laughs> uh, then Alberta with seven, uh, Quebec with six. Um, Saskatchewan with six, BC with four, Nova Scotia with one, and then New Brunswick, Newfoundland, uh, Nunavut, the Northwest Territories, PEI, and the Yukon Territory all had zero homicides in November. Okay, so the cities with more than one homicide, Winnipeg had 12. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but four of them was one incident. Okay, but even still, that's yeah, like it's a, a lot. lot. Toronto had five, Edmonton had three. Brandon had two, Calgary had two, Montreal had two, Richmond had two, and Sudbury had two. Uh, a lot of twos yeah. this month. So murders by type, there were 19 shootings, six stabbings, three beatings, one other, and 29 unknown. Okay. So, so a lot of unknown, too. Not a lot month. of unknowns, but of the ones we do know, a lot of shootings, I guess. So. Yeah. Um, let's see here, there. Okay, uh, now we're on to the, the section of the podcast where they go through some of the more noteworthy homicides that occurred in the month of November 2023. Uh, so 41-year-old Harpreet Singh Upal and his 11-year-old son were fatally outshot outside uh, an Etro Edmonton Petro-Canada gas station. So Edmonton police responded to a shooting outside of a business in the area of 50th Street and Elder Ellersley Road on November 9th. 2023 at approximately 12 p.m. Uh, on arrival, police located 41-year-old Harpreet Singh Upal, an 11-year-old male in medical distress. Uh, EMS responded, however, both the man and child succumbed to their injuries on scene. Uh, the deceased were confirmed to be father and son. Um, shortly after, police were notified of an empty vehicle on fire in the area of 34th Street and Township Road, 5110, north of Beaumont. Um, at this time, police continued to investigate if this vehicle is linked to the shooting. Uh, according to reports, Upal was an alleged Brothers Keeper gang associate, which is run by third generation Punjabis and who had established link with Punjab gangs. Edmonton uh, police believe the shooters belong to the rival United Nations gang. Um, Upal was facing charges for cocaine possession and trafficking and illegal possession of body armor. I, I wonder if he was wearing it. Maybe not. Uh, he was scheduled to go to trial in April 2024. Uh, he was sentenced to 15 months in jail back in 2013 on an unauthorized firearm possession charge. Uh, Upal and his son were killed the day after Parmbir Chahil was called, killed in Toronto 
He was allegedly linked to the UN gang. Um, anyone with security or dash cam footage that was active in the area at the time is encouraged to contact um, Edmonton Police Service at 780-423-4567. So um, I guess it's not obviously surprising that, you know, a gangster got killed by other gangsters, yeah. allegedly. Um, but yeah, it's an, it's, a, it's interesting and sad that like uh, like the eleven year old was included yeah, as well. Kid. So, but also I wonder if it was like a like a revenge. But yeah, it's kind of far away. But still, I guess it could be. I guess that these gangs probably have like they reach across Canada and ship drugs back and forth and, yeah. and stuff like that. It's that like I don't know. Did they kill this son on purpose or was he just killed in? I wonder if just like, like in a hell of bullets maybe. or. Or maybe I don't know. they just thought, or maybe like, he saw me. Yeah, oh, that's possible too. Yeah. yeah. So, because yeah, they burnt the vehicle. So, leave. You've yeah. already committed one murder. I guess the sad thing is, like, leave no witnesses. So. Yeah. I didn't know that possession of body armor was illegal. Yeah. So you're not supposed to have body armor. Not so. that I have any, yeah. but I mean, like, that's <laughs> something I would never have yeah. thought of. Okay. So. On to the next one. David Brown was arrested in Sudbury for the Niagara Falls homicide of Tennille Olivia King, and also known as Tennille Olivia Lepp. Um, Niagara Regional Police have been investigating the disappearance of Tennille Olivia Lepp, who was reported missing on October 31st, 2023. Due to the circumstances surrounding the incident, the investigation was taken over by members of the homicide unit and on November 3rd, Niagara Police located the body of a woman in the area of Thundering Waters Boulevard and Marineland Parkway in the city of Niagara Falls. The victim has been identified as Tennille Olivia King. And on November 7th, police announced that 46-year-old Matthew Brown of no fixed address was wanted on a Canada-wide warrant for second-degree murder. And then on November 9th, with assistance of the Greater Sudbury Police Service, David Brown was located in downtown Sudbury and arrested on the strength of the warrant. Anyone with information is asked to contact the lead homicide detective, Sergeant Andrew Knevel, by dialing 905-688-4111, option 3, extension 1009104, with any relevant information. Okay, uh, the next one's kind of a weird one. Uh, so charges were dropped against two brothers, ages 14 and 18, after one person was killed and two were injured in a Calgary shooting. So Calgary police responded to a shooting in a parking lot at the Trans-Canada Centre, located in the 1400 block of 52nd Street Northeast on November 13th at approximately 2 p.m. Um, on arrival, police located a deceased man, uh, Rami Hodge Ali, 23, and two ad additional victims with... Serious life-threatening injuries. Uh, the two additional victims were taken to hospital. Um, it is believed that offenders fled the scene. The offenders fled the scene prior to police arrival. Uh, investigators are collecting um, CCTV footage from the area and speaking to witnesses. So, police received valuable witnesses, uh, <laughs> valuable information from witnesses of the scene, including a description of the suspects in the vehicle, a black truck. Uh, minutes after the incident. Uh, patrol officers observed the black truck being driven at high rates of speed in northeast and southeast Calgary. Uh, investigators said they later found the truck abandoned in the parking lot of the CF Chinook Center, located at 6455 McLeod Trail Southwest, where the occupants entered a waiting vehicle and fled to two loca residents located in the 3200 and 3400 block of 30A 
Avenue Southeast. Um, officers took multiple individuals into custody throughout the night. Investigators worked to determine each person's involvement. Charges were laid against the two brothers, ages 14 and 18. Uh, the 14-year-old was charged with one count of first-degree murder and two counts of attempted murder. And the 18-year-old now was charged with one count of accessory to the murder after the fact. Obviously, well, it says here, do the individual's relation to the youth cannot be identified under the provisions of the Youth Criminal Justice Act. All right, so there was an update that the charges were dropped against the two teens after a social media video of the shooter surfaced. And both brothers had allegedly been, or had been, not allegedly, they were in custody yeah. for a week. Um, Police Chief Mark Newfeld apologized to the brothers, their families, and the community last week and promised an independent review into what happened. Uh, Newfeld told a Calgary Police Commission meeting Wednesday night that the review by the RCMP would also consider issues such as racial profiling. Um, so that's weird, because, like, in the sense that, I don't know, like, it seems like people said this truck was leaving, and so were yeah. they in the truck then, or, like... Yeah, I wonder. I, yeah. I wonder. Well, it said they arrested a lot of people. So yeah. did they just assume that these two boys? I'm guessing they must be related if they won't release the their names. Yeah. So I guess the weird thing is, I guess it's interesting too. Like if they had, if that, if the, if that footage, I guess, of the shooting hadn't shown up on social media, then yeah, who knows what exactly would have happened? Yeah, but like those kids could have been in jail for the yeah. rest of their lives. And. Um, yeah, and then so then, but there has been no like with this social me uh, the social media video of the shooting. Um, there's been no further arrest though, I guess. So. No. Okay. I wonder if also like they're not, they're trying to fix their wrongs here. Yeah, with maybe. The kids and not, there has been no update, so I okay. don't know. All right. Sudbury police investigate a homicide after Carol Fournier was found dead in a wooded area. On November 8, 2023, officers were dispatched to a wooded area west of McNeil Boulevard, north of the railway tracks, after a commu community member located what was believed to be a dead person at approximately 2.40 p.m. On arrival, police located the body of the 40-year-old woman who they confirmed to be deceased. She was identified as Carol Fournier. Police said Carol was seen on video surveillance footage walking alone on Beatty Street around 12.45 p.m. on November 8th. Carol was last seen and found wearing a gray midlay jacket with fur on the hood, blue jeans, black rubber boots with gray trim around the top, and black sunglasses. She was carrying a purse, a green re reusable shopping bag, and investigators said her death was being treated as a homicide. Detectives from the major crimes section said our criminal investigation division are investigating the incident and on November 11th, the search and rescue unit located 47-year-old Rick Jones deceased in the woods west of McNeil Boulevard as well, north of the railway tracks, while conducting an evidence search in relation to the murder of Carol Fournier. Police believe foul play in his death is not suspected and police said in consultation with Carol's family, we can confirm that Prior to her being murdered, she was in a relationship with Rick Jones, and both outstanding warrants for Rick Jones were for intimate partner violence incidents involving Carol. And we continue to ask you, we continue to ask to respect the privacy of Carol's family during this tragic time. So he must have just killed her killed and then himself, and then killed like himself right yeah. near. But yeah. weird that they didn't find that to begin with. Yeah, I want. Yeah, I guess I wonder how long a after the 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 first murder, um, well, the murder that that happened. But 
Yeah. So, yeah, yet another domestic uh, homicide. Uh, okay, uh, so in the next one, so Ryan Meckes has been charged with the murder of Eric Lapine in a Brandon, Manitoba hammer attack. Uh, so Brandon Police Service received a report from the 800 block of 15th Street that a person was attacking others with a hammer. Uh, a description of the suspect was provided by witnesses on scene, and uh, officers located the accused a short distance from the area. Uh, while at the scene, 911 received a sh second call of a possible house fire on the same block. Uh, Brampton, Brandon Fire attended the home and entered after witnesses said that the victim of the hammer attack was potentially still inside the building. 28-year-old uh, Eric Lapine was pulled from the fire, suffering from multiple hammer strikes to his head. He was taken to the BRHC before being airlifted by Stars Air Ambulance to the Health Sciences Center in Winnipeg. Uh, a second adult male was found to have been struck in the head with a hammer by the suspect, however, sustained minor. He only sustained, sustained minor injuries to the top of his head. Uh, a canister of accelerant and the weapon used during the assault was recovered police by police at the scene of the fire. So Ryan Meckes was originally arrested and charged with aggravated assault, assault with a weapon, and arson was described for human life on the evening of November 15th. Uh, of 2003, the victim Eric Lapine died of his injuries, and now Ryan Meckes is now facing additional charge of second-degree murder. Um, so yeah, this guy kind of goes crazy with a hammer, and then uh, I guess lights the, the place on fire, which yeah. is a common occurrence in Canada after a murder. And yeah, so I don't know. hasn't there been a couple of hammer? I think there has been. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Okay. A man and a woman are dead, and another is injured following a shooting in Caledon. Emergency crews were called to the report of a shooting at a home on Mayfield Road in Caledon on November 20th at approximately 11.30 p.m. On arrival, Peel paramedics located one man deceased and two women injured. The female victims were transferred to a trauma hospital with life-threatening injuries. OPP believe multiple suspects were involved and that an individual was last seen entering a black pickup truck traveling westbound on Mayfield Road. On December 4th, police announced that the 55-year-old woman from Caledon succumbed to her injuries, and the third victim remains in hospital with critical injuries. Um, anyone with information is asked to contact Caledon OPP at 1-888-310-1122 for Crime Stoppers. So we have no information on the victims' names then, or? No, and nothing's been released about them. And I find, like, the OPP reports are very difficult to get. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I wonder why. So, like, I don't know, like, P Caledon is in the region of Peel in Ontario. So, yeah. but it was OPP where it seemed to be doing the, uh, oh, well, that's weird. Okay, so maybe Caledon. It must be just off. Yeah, maybe yeah. just off, like, from Peel, so. Yeah. Because um, Caledon's in, technically in Peel region, but, okay. Um, yeah, and so we have no info on any of the victims' names. Um, uh, yeah. It's interesting that there's one victim that's still in hospital, and also I was going to say there's no arrests either. No. But there's one woman who's still alive. Yeah. Yeah. And that other, the second victim stayed alive for, yeah. like, 14 days so yeah i yeah so i guess my, my point is being like i wonder if any of those like would have been able to say like who was involved then but must like if maybe not if the fact there's been no arrest so far yeah so, maybe not so it's i don't know so one. yeah and she could the third victim like the first this one who died after 14 days she may, may never regain consciousness 
and this yeah. person is critically injured injuries like potentially n maybe not conscious as well or able to speak so yeah I don't know. yeah we don't know but we don't know, so. hopefully we'll hopefully we find out one day yeah we'll keep tracking it all right uh so four dead and one were in one injured in a winnipeg shooting at a home in the west broadway neighborhood um let's see here um yeah so Winnipeg Police General Patrol members from downtown West District, North District, and East District responded to the 100 block of Langside Street for the report of multiple injured people on November 26th at approximately 4.05 a.m. Uh, on arrival, police located five people with gunshot injuries. Uh, an adult male and adult female were pronounced deceased at the scene. Uh, the three other victims were located and transported to the hospital in critical condition where a man and woman died of their injuries. Uh, a 55-year-old man remains in custody in critical condition. Uh, the four, four deceased victims were identified as Crystal Shannon Birdie, uh, 34, Stephanie Amanda Birdie, 33, uh, Melalek Lazari Lezikil, 29, and Dylan Maxwell Lavallee, uh, 41. Um, so Winnipeg police announced on December 1st that James Randy Felix, 32, of Winnipeg, uh, has been arrested and charged with the following. Um, second degree murder, four times, char four charges, uh, attempt to commit murder, one charge. Uh, he has been detained in custody, uh, unsurprisingly, I guess. <laughs> uh, anyone with video surveillance or information that may assist investigators is asked to call the homicide unit at 204-986-6508. Um, yeah, so like, that's like a lot of, a lot of people and yeah. one homicide in that. And I guess we don't know too much about these people then, or? No, I couldn't really find much information yeah. about any of them. Uh, okay, so the next one, this is another parent and child. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's three this month, which Jeez. is kind of <laughs> crazy. Um, RCMP investigates a double homicide of 46-year-old Derek Chen and his 13-year-old son who were found dead inside their family home in Richmond, B.C. Richmond RCMP responded to a report of a suspicious circumstance at a residence in the 6200 block of Goldsmith Drive on November 30th at approximately 10.30 p.m. On arrival, police located the bodies of a 46-year-old man and a 13-year-old boy inside the residence. The Integrated Homicide Investigation Team has taken conduct of the investigation and continues to work closely in partnership with the Richmond RCMP, the RCMP for Forensic Identification Service, and the BC Coroner Service. Investigators said the victims were father Derek Chen and his son, and they both lived in the that home. The investigation is in its early stages. However, the initial evidence suggests that this was a targeted incident, and the investigation investigators are still working to determine the motive. We're asking anyone who may have observed anything suspicious in the area of Rocky View Playground or the adjoining pathways between 8 p.m. and 10.30 p.m. on November 30th to contact the IHIT says Sergeant Timothy Perotti. Also, if you're driving or parked in the area and have dash cam footage, please contact IHIT immediately. Um, so far, investigators have released a blurry photo of the suspect who was seen leaving the scene into London sports field. And you can see the image on our website, but it's... It's pretty blurry? It's terrible. Okay. <laughs> it's a terrible image. Um, anyone with information regarding this investigation is asked to contact IHIT in information line at 1-877-551-4448. So this is like similar to that other one then that, um, so like 
yeah, it's the father and his like thirteen year old son in that, yeah. like both killed. Like it's it's so bizarre. I yeah, don't it's pretty weird. Like I don't know. I, I guess the thing is, is like I don't know. You're coming to kill the father, and then um, yeah, I guess the and the son happens to be there. Then you don't want to leave any witnesses, as you said like last time. So yeah, but I always thought there was like an unwritten rule, or maybe that's just yeah. in the movies. I don't know. <laughs> um, and we don't know anything about uh Derek Chan then, or nope. No. So no no info on like his activities and that. So no no info. Okay. I don't think they didn't mention that he was ever involved with the police. So hmm. who okay. knows? <laughs> uh, all right. Um, so a 52 year old man was fatally stabbed in downtown Hamilton during uh, the Monday morning rush hour. So Hamilton police responded to the report of a stab in the area of Park Avenue North and York Boulevard uh, shortly after 8:30 a.m. on Monday November 27th, uh, 2023. Uh, on arrival, police located a male in his 50s suffering from injuries. He was rushed to hospital where he was pronounced deceased. Investigators continue to canvas witnesses, pursue leads, and search for the suspect described by witnesses as a white male in dark clothing. Uh, shortly after 11 a.m., uh, police arrested a 25-year-old male, um, and the Hamilton Police Homicide Unit continues to investigate it. I believe he was arrested at the downtown Hamilton Library. Yeah, I okay. guess like he ran. I heard that he ran into Jackson Square. Okay, yeah, the downtown mall and that. So, so yeah, he was like eight thirty the killing, and then they arrested him in the library at eleven a.m. So what was he doing? Just I don't know, just hanging uh, out? just hanging out, I guess. Weird. So, <laughs> uh, so following the police response to the incident, Nathan Canis Lynch, twenty five, was arrested and charged with the second degree murder of a fifty two year old man from Hamilton. Uh, Candace Le Lynch remains in custody. According to reports, both men are homeless, and the fatal stabbing stemmed from an argument. Uh, anyone with information on this murder is asked to contact Detective Trevor Bland of the Homicide Unit at 905-546-4921. I, I wonder if they were in the, what is that, a Sal Salvation Army there? Yeah, there's a Salvation Army mission yeah. thing there, I guess, really close by. So, Yeah, we're a Hamilton-based podcast, so. And give you extra info on that. <laughs> if we ever get that information. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the next homicide or the next part of the, the podcast uh, is the notable updates and arrests uh, for previous homicides. Uh, so Toronto police investigated the suspicious death of Toronto filmmaker Reyes Habib, uh, that was labeled the fifty seventh homicide of the year uh, of twenty twenty three. so the Toronto Homicide Missing Persons Unit investigated a suspicious death. Suspicious death that occurred in the area of East Liberty Street and Western Battery Road on Thursday, J June 8th, 2023. On arrival, police located the body of a deceased person in the trash compactor of a townhouse complex. That's pretty wild. Mm -hmm. uh, the deceased has been identified as Riaz Habib, 53, of Toronto, who was previously reported missing on Friday, June 9th, 2023. Uh, as a result of the investigation, Koa Tran, 33, of Toronto, has been arrested and charged with a dignity to a human body. Um, uh, obstruction of justice. Um, he appeared in court at Toronto Regional Bail Centre to face that charge, or those charges, I guess, on Friday, June 30th, 2023. And then Tran was rearrested on Friday, November 3rd, 2023, and charged with secondary murder. Uh, Habib was a filmmaker and alumnus of the Canadian Film Centre. Uh, the centre remembered, remembered him as a gifted storyteller and filmmaker who was finishing up his first feature, Fat Lady Sriracha, as a writer and director. So, um, yeah, okay, mm -hmm. so... I guess I assume he was killed and then put in the trash compactor of the, of the townhouse complex. Uh, yeah, but I guess we don't really know. Yeah. But uh, that's where he was found. So, um, 
yeah, that's uh, yeah, sad and strange. <laughs> Brantford police offer a ten thousand dollar reward for information that leads to the conviction of the person or persons responsible for the 2016 homicide of Jeffrey James Roberts. So here is the backstory. Jeffrey Roberts was reported missing on November 11th, 2016, after he had not been seen or heard from since November 5th, 2016. He was found deceased on November 21st, 2016, when his body was located in a field near West Street and Highway 403 overpass. His death was deemed a homicide. Brantford Police said in a press release, although seven years have passed, officers remain committed to finding the persons responsible for the murder of Jeffrey Roberts. A $10,000 reward is now being provided for information that leads to the conviction of the person responsible. Police continue to believe that there are members of the public who have information that would be beneficial to the case and are hopeful someone will come forward. Anyone with information related to the case is asked to contact Detective Constable Jason Sinning with the Brantford Police Service at 519-756-7050, extension 2800. Hmm. I wonder, didn't get a $10,000 reward is high enough? I don't know. I kind of wonder I if it was know. a bit more that, I don't know, maybe get better luck. It is like you're trying to solve a murder, so. Yeah, I don't know. And I guess... What is Crime Stoppers? Don't they give like a yeah? They give uh, yeah. I'm not sure exactly not, what. Not ten thousand. Yeah, maybe not that still. much, but yeah. Okay, yeah. I don't know what the uh, I don't know what the optimal value for uh, for information for information. <laughs> but like the thing is, like yeah, enough money. Like somebody probably knows something, and yeah, maybe not somebody won't do something for ten thousand, but maybe somebody yeah. might do it for more. You never know, I yeah. suppose. So, <laughs> all right. Um, so Harrison Brown was sentenced to life imprisonment imprisonment in the fatal Georgetown, Ontario host fire that claimed the lives of two people. So the backstory, uh, Halton Regional Police responded to a residence on Hidden Lake Trail in Georgetown for a fire on February 17th, uh, 2021, approximately 5.35 a.m. Uh, police in Halton Hills fire ride to find the home fully engulfed in flames. Um, firefighters located two people, a male and a female, deceased inside the home when the fire was extinguished. Uh, they, were, they were identified as the homeowner's 56-year-old uh, Christina Amelia Rurek and her 59-year-old husband, Andres, Andre, also Andrew Rurek. Um, Harrison Brown was charged with police with two counts of first-degree murder in 2021. And then Brown entered a guilty plea to first-degree murder in the death of Christina and a second-degree murder charge in the death of Andres and appeared in the Ontario Superior Court of Justice in Milton on Friday, December 1st, 2023. Uh, the Honorable Justice C. Nolan, uh, or sorry, C. Colin, Conlon, uh, sentenced Brown to life imprisonment with no eligibility of parole for 25 years. Um, yeah, so another fire one. Um, I guess the thing is they were probably killed before, I assume. And yeah, then but isn't that weird that he got charged with first-degree murder in her death and second in... Yeah, that is kind of weird. So I guess the only thing is maybe, uh, I don't know, like, yeah, just totally speculating, I guess maybe he planned <laughs> to kill one person and then somebody two. else was there. I don't yeah. know. And then, yeah, it seems kind of strange. I guess we don't know anything about the relationship between the the perpetrator and the and no. the victims then. So, huh? Okay. So yeah, and we don't know. Do we know Harrison Brown's? Uh, we don't know his age then. I guess so. No. Okay. Um. Yeah, that's kind of weird. So it is. It is a weird one. All right. Um. Uh, Hamilton police charged Tyler Baberstock with the murder of 33-year-old Tyler Hayden Robitel. 
So the backstory here, Hamilton police responded to the reports of a man bleeding and unconscious in the area of McNabb Street near Jackson Street on September 27th, 2023 at approximately 3 a.m. I believe that's like at the time there is a large homeless encampment near there, near City Hall, I guess. Or yeah, in the City Hall parking lot, basically. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, the victim was rushed to hospital where he was pronounced deceased. He was identified as Tyler Hayden Robotel. According to reports, an altercation occurred at the homeless encampment behind City Hall that led to the death of the victim. Police said the victim ran from behind City Hall and collapsed by the YWCA. And on December 14th, police announced they arrested Tyler Baberstock, a 35-year-old man of Hamilton, for second-degree murder charges. Baberstock is known to police, and back in 2016, he served time for armed robbery and assault. And according to the Hamilton Spectator, Baberstock was a passenger in a vehicle that lost control and entered a ditch in May 2022. He then walked to a nearby home, and several items were stolen from a nearby property. The homeowner called police, and Baberstock fled on foot, later jumping into the Niagara River in an attempt to evade and then captured by law enforcement. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a movie or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, an investigation revealed that Baberstock and the co-accused had earlier that day driven the vehicle through gates at Legends on Niagara Golf Course. Duo smashed a door at a maintenance building and attempted to steal a television. So, yeah, it seems like he was into some trouble yeah. beforehand. <laughs> and Baberstock is a Hamilton rap artist and he has two different YouTube channels for his music if you want to check it out. But is not he not on Spotify? No. Okay. No, uh, but did you listen to some of the uh, YouTube videos? I did. Okay. What was your verdict? Uh I don't know. Trouble. Okay. Trouble. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes you shouldn't be singing about Yeah trouble if you're <laughs> causing trouble too <laughs> and so um do we know if like i guess the the victim um was um i guess do we know if he's homeless or uh, i'm i don't know okay he was at the encampment yeah. so and then but barber stock we don't know if he's homeless either though like he could be but he yeah, might not we be know. we don't know okay all right so <laughs> but he is a rapper so, okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, the next one. Okay. This one's causing us problems. Uh, Kenneth Law was charged with 14 counts of second degree murder involving the sale of no sodium nitrate. Uh, it is alleged that he sold 1,200 packages to people in more than 40 countries. Uh, police allege that beginning in late 2020, Kenneth Law operated several websites that were used to sell sodium nitrate and other items that can be used for self harm. Um, sodium nitrate is a common food preservative preservative that is lethal in high levels. Uh, York Regional Police said they believe about 160 packages were allegedly sent by law to addresses in Canada. Um, in August 2023, it was announced that 12 additional charges of counseling or aiding suicide were laid, uh, bringing the total number of charges to 14. Um, on Monday, December 11th, 2023, investigators laid 14 additional charges of second-degree murder on Kenneth Law pertaining to the city. 14 victims, bringing the total charges laid to 28. Um, Kenneth Law remains in custody awaiting trial for the charges brought forward. Uh, investigators have said that Law allegedly sent at least 1,200 packages to people in more than 40 countries. Um, British police have said they identified 230 people in the United Kingdom that have purchased from Law, 88 who have, of whom have died. Um, 
Law has been charged with second-degree murder in connection with 14 deaths in Ontario. Uh, Stephen Mitchell, Jr., 21, from Toronto. Ashton Crosser, 19, from Windsor, Ontario. Uh, both are listed in court documents as alleged victims of law. Um, police have not released the identities of other victims, only saying that they are between the ages of 16 and 36. As the investigation continued, a multi-jurisdictional team of investigators have formed following the following police agencies, uh, Peel Regional Police in Ontario, and as well as York Regional Police, Toronto Re Police Service, um, Durham Regional Police, Ontario Provincial Police, uh, London Provincial Police, Waterloo Regional Police, Windsor Police Service, Ottawa Police Service, Thunder Bay Police Service, Barrie Police Service. Yeah, so there's a lot. Um, Law's yeah. lawyer, Mar Matthew Gourlay, said his client intended to plead not guilty to the charges. Uh, police are asked the community to be vigilant of online transactions and activity, whether it's arrival deliveries from any of the following companies. Um, Imtime Cuisine, MBUCA, uh, Academic, ac Academic, um, yeah. yeah, it's got weird combinations of, of uh, capitalization. Escape Mode, Esk Mode, ICMAC. Um, if you or someone you know uh, has received a package from the business listed above, please get in touch with your local police service immediately. Packages received could, could contain hoods, masks, tubing, and or sodium nitrate. Uh, if you have information about an incident or have received a package that you suspect may contain any of the items, please email 11divproject at peelpolice.ca or ded the dedicated project line at 1-888-714-0003. Or if you wish to remain anonymous, please call Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-TIPS-8477. So... Yeah, like, um, this is definitely interesting and in, in sort of like a legal standpoint in the sense like, yeah, he was charged with the, I didn't even know there was a, a charge or uh, for counseling or aiding suicide. Yeah. Um, I don't know. In some sense, it that that charge to me makes sense. I'm not sure about charging him with murder. Um, yeah, like, it's a tough thing because yeah. maybe for underage people, yeah. but if, if, I don't know. But yeah, the th uh, the fact that we have that charge that the uh, counseling or aiding suicide, yeah, is there. But yeah, there's obviously like it's now that people have made in that like uh, medically assisted. Um, I, I can't remember what the acronym ac <laughs> the acronym stands for, but uh, yeah, it's obviously like a tough thing. But obviously, this yeah. guy is um, you know a lot of these people weren't like his kids, and that obviously I don't think had any medical problems or anything like that. So yeah. And I guess he used to be a, a chef at was it Royal York in Toronto, so that's why he. Yeah, I just like sort of knew about the sodium nitrate in that. So. Yeah, and then he, I read that he had uh, filed for bankruptcy in 2020, and I guess this was his his way to make money. Job, yeah. <laughs> that is, yeah, that's pretty creepy. Yeah. Because like, yeah, it sent it like, um, what was it, 1,200 packages? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, yeah, the UK, it says like. Send it to two hundred thirty-two people, and then yeah, like we eighty-eight know that have died. So he's he's just left to like a like just yeah, it's like death everywhere. It's weird because we know of fourteen in Ontario, yeah. but how many more? Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, he's like yeah, he was selling it worldwide, I guess. So yeah, and I guess if there's probably been a lot of cases where yeah, it's just gone unnoticed too. It's interesting too for us, like statistically, in that, like if these all get counted as homicides, in that, then obviously that's going to alter the st 
statistics a little bit, although admittedly Ontario is a pretty big province, but still that's yeah. a lot of charges. So, because yeah, that's like we've t- discussed in the past, like with um, like say fentanyl dealers and that, where occasionally somebody will get charged with um, murder and that. But yeah, but like, should it be murder? Like I, I like don't know. I don't know. It's hard to say. So unless they force it upon yeah. you, or like obviously know. they gave them like a hot shot in that, like like purposely gave them a high dose because they wanted to die. Then yeah. I agree that's murder. But if you're just giving people fentanyl then i don't know so yeah okay jury deemed the 2016 lindsay ontario correctional center death of solomon fakiri a homicide so solomon fakiri who had schizophrenia was arrested in december 2016 after allegedly stabbing a neighbor while experiencing a mental health crisis he died on December 15th while in segregation cell following a violent struggle with a correctional officer that occurred as they were escorting him from the shower to his cell. The inquest came to a close on December 8th, 2023. On behalf of the correctional workers, lawyers argued the death should be instead be ruled as an accident. And on December 12th, jurors deemed the death a homicide. So according to the Toronto Star, Proceeding officer David Cameron said while reading the jury panel statement on December 12th, Fakiri died by means of homicide due to a combination of his restraint in a prone position. The injuries sustained during the struggle with guards and pepper spray foam exposure while having an enlarged heart and his worsening symptoms of schizophrenia. So the jury also made a list of 57 recommendations. A few of those are adopting a public position within 60 days that jails are not appropriate places for those with mental health issues, policies that require inmates to receive health care equivalent to what they would get in the community, the establishment of an independent for the the province correctional facilities, uh, immediate steps to ensure people facing acute psychiatric crises are taken into hospital, establishing an agency to direct deliver oversee health care and services in jails, creating formal partnerships between all Ontario jails and local hospitals, establishing an independent advisor or advocate for inmates in all jails, ensuring jail physicians and nurses can easily access an external roster of psychiatric and medical professionals, and immediately implement a committee to ensure the jury's recommendations are considered and the responses are published. So basically getting a mental health unit into the jails. Yeah. Yeah. So it is interesting. Like, this guy did stab a guy. So, um, yeah. yeah. I guess you got to figure out um, if he should be, like, into the more of the, the mental health system rather than the um, the prison system or the jail system. Yeah. I guess the thing is, like, yeah, it takes – it's obviously going to, like, figure like figuring that out, like, sort of, like – it's hard to, like, figure out, like, right initially in that whether – Although, I don't know, I guess for some people it seems um, likely, especially if they have been diagnosed with schizophrenia. But uh, Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah, so this has been, uh, what was it, the 44th episode? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I think we're going to record another episode, like a um, non-monthly episode on, uh, I can't remember her name. Um, Do you remember Tammy? Mm, I don't remember. 
Okay, well. It's a surprise. <laughs> it's a surprise. There'll be another episode. Like, we're putting this episode, well, when you listen to this, ep- this episode, eh. this episode <laughs> will be up, and then I think we're going to record another one in early January and get another another one up, and then, and that'll be before the December episode. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, just to reiterate here at the end, uh, we have a website, Homicide Canada, and we try to have a post for every homicide. Uh, plus, we have pages for all the provinces and the major municipalities. Um, you can always email us at info at homicidecanada.com. You can tell us if we missed a murder, because sometimes we do, uh, in your municipality or province, or if there's anything else you'd like to say. Um, Twitter is homicide underscore Canada. Uh, our DMs are always open. And if you look us up on Facebook or Instagram and just, I will just search Homicide Canada, we should come up. So, yeah, you can follow us on there, too. So, yeah, until next time. <laughs>